Amen. Thank you, Youth Choir. And uh, thank you, Ellie and Nick, for leading us in that song. It's been a good morning already, singing good truths together and worshiping together. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's been a blessed Sunday, Youth Sunday, as our young people have been leading. That's encouraging. Amen? Yes. To see young folks um, uh, that know the Lord, love the Lord, sing for Him. And uh, also come and preach the word. And so we're excited this morning uh, to have our brother Chaz Farmer. Uh, Chaz is doing an internship right now at Broadway Baptist Church. That's where I met him. And uh, he's also finishing up school at Boys College uh, online up at um, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, we're blessed to have him come here in just a moment and preach. Um, we're blessed also to have our brother Keaton. I want you to be in prayer for him this morning. Uh, he, he, he's been preaching a lot of our youth Sundays, but Keaton is at Holly Springs. Is that correct? Bringing the word. He's been uh, last week was at um, Trinity Baptist and then this week at Holly Springs. He'll be with us tonight. But um, you be in prayer for him. I forgot to make mention of that this morning and remind Randy as well just to be praying for our brother Keaton as he's bringing the word there. But um, Jazz, I'm going to read the text. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do. Uh, his message is going to come from John 3, 16 this morning. I'm going to read uh, chapter 3, 1 to 15, put things in context, and then he's going to come and bring the word to us. And so you be praying for him this morning. One of the things that I love about the man, Chaz, is uh, not only his love for the Lord, but his love for the word and the proclamation of the word uh, in truth. And uh, a very solid young man who exposits the text very well. And I think you'll be blessed. We'll be encouraged this morning uh, by the preached word. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Just a reminder again, man, this is God's word in our language. Yes. I posted something um, on Facebook. Remember this day, years ago, uh, because of what happened when Martin Luther taking and nailing those 95 theses to the door of Wittenberg, uh, the, the, the scriptures could be brought into our language. Uh, we're blessed people uh, because of that bold stain. So listen to the word of the Lord. Verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him. Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, 
How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. What all we have already experienced, Lord, through, uh, through giving and through the saying of truth, Lord, corporately. Father, we thank you that your spirit is at work in our hearts this morning and at work in our midst. Lord, you have brought us together, joined us together by your Holy Spirit to worship you and to adore you. And Lord, to sit under the preached word this morning. Father, thank you for this text that we just read as Nicodemus has come to you seeking how to understand how one is born again. Father, help us to understand this this morning as Chaz comes to break open the very words of life to us, that you would speak through him and use him, Lord, to speak to us. So, Lord, be honored, be glorified, be lifted high now through your word and the hearts of your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. We had an awesome Sunday school in here this morning. A uh, very encouraging word. And then we've just been reminded of the gospel constantly through the service so far. And I'm, I'm very thankful to be here with you. I've been encouraged uh, to worship with you guys. Like Zad said, turn to John 3. This morning, I want us to consider uh, what is the greatest truth of all time, the gospel of God's grace in the provision of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're going to consider a familiar passage, but I don't want you to write it off as though you know everything about this text, because uh, you don't, I don't, uh, none of us truly know the depths of how good this verse is, Amen. right? But that shouldn't surprise us because we think of Scripture, we know it's breathed out by God. And so we shouldn't be surprised to see that it's a deep well of spiritual nourishment. We'll never plumb the depths completely. But that's, that's the goal this morning, to get as deep into it as we can, to get what we can out of it. Um, and so we're going to be looking at John 3.16. That great evangelistic verse. And likely, if you've got any verses of the Bible memorized, this was, this was the first one. This was number one, right? I memorized it in the King James, and I've tried in all the other ones. I just can't. I can't get the King James out of my mind. That's fine, right? But, but it lays out the gospel succinctly and to the point. Yeah. So it's a great verse to share with a believer who's down and out. Or with a convicted sinner. Yes. Either way. And we need this text because we are fallen creatures. Yeah, and because of our sin, we're under God's wrath, you and I. Yeah. Well, well, we need saving. And this scripture is like a ray of sunshine beaming onto our oh, hearts. Yeah. To our, our helpless situations. And so, so this morning, may it call people to faith, may it edify the saints. And so John 3.16, possibly the most 
Uh, most known verse in the, the New Testament reads like this. This is out of the English Standard. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Or the King James renders it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. What a glorious verse this is. What I want us to do, like I said, is just to dig into this verse this morning and plumb the depths of its riches as much as we can. So the main point is this, that God has sent his Son into the world so that we could be reconciled through him. Amen. I want to pull out three characteristics of the gospel from John 3.16. These are in your notes. First, the gospel begins with God. Then the gospel is, is, is it bars no people. And finally, the gospel offers hope. Amen. Great hope. Amen. And so with that, pray with me again and then we'll dive in. Our Heavenly Father, you are so good. Thank you for the gathering, Lord. May we never take it take it for uh, take advantage of it again. And may we always understand that this is such a, a privilege to get to gather with other believers and be encouraged. Lord, we pray that you would do that this morning, that you would encourage us, uh, Lord, that you would open the eyes and ears of our hearts, Lord, so that we could see what you're which are teaching us here, and that we could accept it in our hearts. We ask for the miracle of the new birth yes. this morning, Lord. Yes. If there's anyone here who's far from you, who doesn't know you as their Lord, we ask that you would bring them to faith this morning. Yes, Lord, you're so good to give us this time together. We ask that you would pour your spirit out and to fill us and to encourage us and to grow us this morning. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So my first point is that the gospel begins with God. If you look at the text, the first two words of the verse are for God. Amen. Right? It's always good for us to be reminded that salvation is of the Lord. Amen. In every way imaginable, God initiates our salvation. And what's neat here in John 3, in the context of what Zad read, we see all three persons of the Trinity at work, Amen. initiating our salvation, coming to save us. So let's look at that. First, God the Father is the initiator of, of salvation, even within the Godhead. Amen. It was the Father who sent the Son. He got the ball rolling by sending Christ into the world. That's right. But God's role in salvation goes even further back than that. Ephesians 1, chat, uh, verse 4 through 6, we read the Apostle Paul's words that say this. He chose us in him, in Christ, Amen. before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God the Father has planned salvation from eternity past. Before the foundations of the world, God, out of his great love and glorious grace, set out to redeem a people for his own glory. Amen. 
in eternity past. And he didn't just choose us. He chose us in his son, Jesus Christ, that, that we would be holy and blameless before him. God's salvific plan culminates in the person and work of his son. The father planned salvation and sent the son. But we also see God the son here in John 3 uh, initiating our salvation. Jesus came to the earth to accomplish redemption yes. for his people. That's right. Here in John 3, if you look at verses 14 and 15, Jesus says this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. He's referring to this odd story in Numbers 21, where if you've read the book of Numbers, you know the whole thing pretty much is about the people of Israel grumbling against the Lord, being unhappy in the wilderness, not being thankful for what God's given them. And that's what's happening here in Numbers 21. And so God sends some, some venomous snakes into the camp to bite and kill some of the Israelites to kill the pride they were having at that time. And so, so, so what, what God tells Moses to do is to, to, to lift up this statue of a, of a snake, lift it up on a pole so that whoever has been bitten by the snake would look at this snake lifted up and they would be healed. Yes. And what Jesus is saying is that's just a picture of what he would do on the cross. That's right. right? In, his, in his death on the cross, where Jesus was lifted up, he became sin. Amen. We had accrued a sin debt against God for all of our sins, and somebody had to be judged. Yes. So Jesus came and suffered the wrath of God on our behalf. Amen. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Yes. And with his wounds, we are healed. And so Christ endured the white hot hatred of God against sin in our place. Amen. Right. That, and, and when Jesus, when he took that wrath on himself, he paid our debt. Amen. What we deserve to have, he took for us. That's, right. That's why the cross works. God's wrath is satisfied because it's been let out. Yes. It's just been loosed on Christ and not us. Amen. That's why the cross works. And so Jesus, God the Son, accomplished our redemption by taking our punishment and paying our debt, making us right with God. But then we also see God the Spirit comes and gives ruined sinners the gift of the new birth. That's right. Look at verse 3 of John 3. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again or from above or anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. 
The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What Jesus is saying here is that all spiritual life given to men comes from the Holy Spirit. That's right. He's not tameable. He's like the wind. He comes and he goes and you can't tell where he's going, but you can tell when he's had an impact. Right? You can't see the wind blow, but you can see what a tornado does. When the Spirit is at work in someone's heart, you can see it happening. In John 6, Jesus would go on to say, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The Holy Spirit comes to the lost sinner and convicts them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then, in His grace, He gives them the ability to repent of their sins and trust in Christ. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, but whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Mm. All spiritual life is given to men as a gift of the Holy Spirit. So you see in this passage, all three persons of the triune God are at work to, to initiate our salvation. In shorthand, the Father plans, the Son accomplishes, and the Spirit applies. It is truly God who comes to us to save us from our sins. Before we ever go to God, God comes to us. Amen. Now, does, now God doesn't take this initiative to, in our salvation without a reason. He comes to ruin sinners because of his great love and great mercy That's right. that he has for them. The text says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It is in love that the Father reaches down from heaven to save lost sinners. He does not do the work of salvation because he's indebted to humanity. It is because God has such great affection for us that he has done so. He so loved the world that. It is because he so loved the world that he sent his son. That's right. Mm-hmm. And just to, to give us an idea of, of his love, his love is self-sacrificial. Mm-hmm. The holy God of heaven has made a way for us to be right with him, and it came at a great cost yes. to him. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard this story? It's a, it's a father who takes his son and his son's friend out to sea. And, and this, this father... And the son, they're Christians, and they know the friend's not. While they're they're out at sea, a great storm arises, and the boys are thrown into the sea. And the the waves are just pounding down, and the father's just got one life preserver. So the father, who does he throw it to? Well, you think he throws it to his son. But he knows that his son will go on to glory. So he throws it to the lost friend. I'm not a father, but that's unthinkable. That's just a micro picture of what God has done for us in Jesus. As we've seen God the Father sent God the Son to be lifted up just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. Listen to Romans 5, 6 through 8. For while we were still weak, 
At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus' death proves God's love. Yeah, that's right. Jesus died for us sinners because he loves us. That's right. People don't die for sinners. Paul says someone might die for a good person, but people don't die for sinners. But Jesus, the only holy man who ever lived, died on the cross for dirty sinners. How great is his love for us? And he wouldn't even go so far as to do that. But let's take it further. How great is God's love that, that he would even give us the faith that appropriates that death? To us. Amen. Right? That's right. John or Jesus says, whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. If we have spiritual life, it's because God gave it to us. Right. Right? We didn't put that there. God did. Amen. Right? If you've been born again, the Holy Spirit gave you that gift. And what great love is that? Right? Not only did the Father send the Son and the Son died for you. But the Spirit gave you spiritual life. Amen. All of salvation is from the Lord. Amen. God, and it's out of His great love that He's done this for us. He loves us that much. And He would do every bit of the work for us. That's right. Amen. So the gospel begins with God and His great love. Well, who is this gospel offered to? That's my second point. The gospel offers salvation to all who believe. This sounds too good to be true because we can we, we think about how we're a sinner and God's not a sinner. And we just assume because God is holy, he wouldn't want anything to do with us because of our sin. Right? We just naturally expect that. And we, maybe we should. But that's not the truth. Now, see, God... He, he reaches out even to the dirtiest of offenders yes, and yes. offers salvation to even them. Yes. When we consider the context of John 3.16, Jesus is speaking with the Pharisee named Nicodemus. The Pharisees, as we all know, they were the, the religious leaders of the time. Uh, they were familiar, extremely familiar, with the Old Testament scriptures. Um, and they looked like the perfect picture of religion, right? Like they even added on to the law, which I, I can't keep the law. And they added on to it. But this is what Jesus would say of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, that they were like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. Right. And he's speaking to the Pharisees. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy yes. and lawlessness. Though they looked like the picture of piety, they were far from God on the inside. And, and it seems that that's Nicodemus's condition. And I say that one because he's a Pharisee, but two, look back at verse, uh, verse one with me of John 3. John says, now there was a, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
This man came to Jesus by night. John goes out of his way to tell us this man came to Jesus by night. And if you look throughout the, the, the book of John, anywhere he speaks of night, there is a theme going on where it's spiritual darkness, a moral darkness, accompanying it being night in the narrative. And so, so this would lead um, this one scholar, D.A. Carson, to say that Nicodemus approached Jesus at night, but his own night was blacker than he could ever know. That's yes. right. That's good. He was in spiritual darkness apart from God. Nicodemus was self-righteously following the law. Mm-hmm. Right? Not, not based on faith in God, but hoping that by being a, a follower of the law, he could find right standing with God. And yet, even to this self-righteous man, Jesus offers salvation. He explains that the Old Testament was pointing to him as the Messiah. Nicodemus, Jesus is saying, just trust in me. Just as that snake was lifted up by Moses, so I'm going to be lifted up. Yes. To take away your sin. So even to the self-righteous. But then look in chapter 4. Um, the very, like, the other side of this chapter. We see before John 3.16 that, that Jesus offers salvation to this self-righteous Nicodemus. Well, here in chapter 4, we see Jesus interacting with this Samaritan woman who's like the antithesis to Nicodemus. Jesus is speaking with her and says, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He goes, I know. You've had five husbands. The man you're living with now is not your husband. This woman's alone at the well in the middle of the day, which means she was publicly shamed, likely for her lifestyle. She had had five husbands. Now, why they divorced, we don't we don't know. Or maybe those men had died, or they just had divorced for some reason. But this woman was by herself. Women went in groups to this well because it's. Uh, there's a lot of people out there. And then also they would go in the early morning or in the late after the late night because it's super hot during the middle of the day. Well, this woman's by herself in the middle of the day at this, at this well. And so, and then Jesus hits her um, with this, the, the, the truth that he knows her lifestyle. She's just living with some dude she's not even married to. Mm. But still to this sinful woman, Jesus offers the salvation that John 3.16 is talking about. Look at verses 25 and 26 of chapter 4. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you. And he, I'm the Messiah, Jesus says. Believe in me, Jesus says. Right? Drink deeply from the well of life, me. I'll give you water that doesn't run out. That's right. This woman did come to faith because she ran back to her town and told everybody that this man just told me everything I'd ever done. 
So this is who the gospel's for. Sinners. Amen. Therefore, we apply. We qualify. That's right. No matter what your past is, what you've done, even to you, Jesus offers this forgiveness. That's right. Salvation. That's right. He can and will forgive anyone. Yes. Anyone. That's right. The gospel message is offered, like we saw, to the best of people, like Nicodemus, and to the worst of people, like this woman at the well. The best and to the worst. However, that does not mean that all people are saved. The gospel is not universalism. That's right. It's offered to everybody, but it is conditioned on faith and repentance. That's right. John 3.16 says, Everyone who believes... In him should not perish. Not no one will perish. No one who trusts Jesus will perish. That's right. right. John 3, let's read 17 and 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Like that's not the purpose. God didn't send Jesus to send everybody to hell. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever has not believed in the name, uh, who, who does not believe is condemned already because he does not believe um, in the name of the only Son of God. Sure. Now what the Bible teaches is that the people of God are saved. Those who are in Christ are saved. Hell is a real place where real people go. Yes. Those who are outside of Christ are residing in their sin they're headed to hell. Whoever does not believe is condemned already. Right. Condemned Amen. means guilty. Yeah. It's like a picture of a courtroom. Right? And man stands on trial before God because of their sins. Mm-hmm. Their crimes against God. They can, they can make their case as much as they want to. But they're not going to be let off the hook. Man stands guilty before God. Guilty of their charge. Condemned before God. God's white hot hate for sin abides on them. Mm. And his wrath will be loosed on them. That is an awful place to be. The author of Hebrews would say that it is an awful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yes. Outside of Christ. Mm. And that's the plight of everyone outside of Christ. That's right. There's this belief that people who never hear the gospel go to heaven. Mm. We've got to fight against that. Because right. that's not true. Amen. God, as Paul says in Acts 17, God <laughs> commands all men everywhere to repent. That's right. Yes. Amen. All men everywhere. All people everywhere. The gospel, though, is a simple gospel. So, so look at Mark 1, 14 and 15. Or I'll just read it if you just want to listen. It says, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. That word good news of God is the same word we translate as gospel or good news. The good news of God. The time has been fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus says entrance into the kingdom requires repentance. Simply put, 
Repentance is recognizing that you're a sinner against God and turning from that way of life and turning to God. Amen. But Jesus also says entrance into the kingdom is conditioned on faith, belief. Uh, I think Billy Graham had a really good illustration when he said, when you came in here this morning, you just plopped down on your pew, right? You didn't think, oh, is this thing going to be able to hold me? You just assumed. You trusted that it would hold you. And it's that same concept. That's right. With, with faith and trust in Jesus. Right? Just trusting that he will take you home to glory when you die. That's trust. That's the belief that he's talking about. Amen. Repent and believe and you will be saved mm -hmm. from your sins. Mm -hmm. That's the good news or the gospel of God. How great is it that salvation is not of works, but of grace by faith. That's right. Now to those who are in Christ, the gospel is not finished with the removal of God's wrath. And that's my third point. The gospel gives hope. Amen. One of the great things about the gospel is that it gives believers great hope for the future. Yeah, right? John 3.16 says, Everyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Sure. Right? If you believe in Jesus, you've gone from having a, a destiny of death and hell to life and life eternal in the new creation. That's right. You've been saved from the wrath of God. Romans 8 1. Romans 8 is called the greatest chapter in the Bible, and I tend to agree. Romans 8 1 says this There is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. We have been justified before God. Amen. Right? It's not like God just overlooks your sin. He deals with it. That's right. And erases it by the blood of his son. Amen. And so now when he looks at you, if you're in Christ by faith, he sees his dear son and his son's righteousness covering you. Mm. And because of that, you can enter eternity with God and come before Him with boldness. Yeah, amen. Boldness before God. Not scared that He's going to unleash His wrath on you, but you can come boldly knowing that you don't stand in your own righteousness. You stand in that of Jesus. Yeah, that's God's right. Son. But the Gospel, so He gives us hope for the now. Paul would say this, this is in your notes, in 2 Corinthians, he would say that, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. God has recreated you if you're in Christ. You're no longer that old man that you used to be. You're no longer that old slave to sin. Now, do we still sin? Absolutely, we do. We do. And do we still have to, to battle against our flesh all of our life? We absolutely do. Yes. But do we have the power to fight? Yes, yes we do. Amen. God has indwelled us with his Holy Spirit, which gives us the ability to fight against our sin. That's our hope for the now, that we can truly live a holier life than we did before. Yes, we can actually quit sinning as much. That is the hope that we have for the now. We can live a holy life. Amen. Mm -hmm. But we're not done there. If we were, that would be good enough. 
right? But we're not done. That's not all the gospel gives us. It gives us hope for the future. Amen. The end. That's right. Eschatological hope. When Christ returns, those who are in Christ will be given their new bodies. And will live in the new creation. Bodies that can't sin, that can't hurt, that can't bleed, that can't die. Amen. And that's only possible through the gospel. We're made right with God through the gospel. And we'll enter into the, the new creation because of that. What great hope is that? Philippians 3, Paul says to keep your eyes on that prize. That's right. As you, as you sojourn through this earth, keep your eyes on that prize. The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's right. And we'll enter that new creation one day. Yes, good. A day will come. So keep your eyes on that prize until we receive it. Yes. Amen. So the gospel begins with God. The gospel offers salvation to all who believe. And the gospel gives great, great hope. Amen. So as we consider this passage, consider how it can apply to your life. The most important question for you to ponder this morning is, have you ever repented of your sins and trusted Jesus as your Savior? That's right. Those of us who have grown up in church can really struggle with this. I heard a really good quote last night that a lot of us, what we do is we raise our hand at Bible school or something, then we go off and live like the devil for until we're about 30, then we, we get married and realize, oh, I need to be a mortal person now. And we just lean back, well, I raised my hand at Bible school, so now I can just be a Christian again. When you need to see if you are a Christian. Mm. Mm. The problem I've heard a lot of preachers say now is the problem with church people is you have to convince them that they're lost before you can get them to come to Jesus. <laughs> We've yeah. got to be constantly testing ourselves. Mm. Are you in the faith? Have you ever trusted Jesus? That's right. Truly repented. Mm. Only faith is what makes a man right with God. Amen. Man. Not your family, not, not raising your hand. Not getting down in the sawdust. It's faith in Jesus That's right. that makes a man right with God. But to the Christian now, now another question to ask yourself is this. Do I rehearse this gospel daily? Do I preach the gospel to myself daily? Yeah. Alistair Begg, uh, this preacher, has a really good quote on this, that if you forget to preach the gospel to yourself every single day, You'll either end up in a terrible type of pride or in an awful depression. Right. Here's why. Yeah. If you forget to preach the gospel to yourself and you're living a pretty good life or you're not sinning a whole lot, then you're going to get puffed up like crazy yeah. because you're the one doing it, you think. That's right. When it's the Holy Spirit who gives that to you. That's and rehearsing the gospel reminds you of that. But if you're if you get into a season where you're falling and you're giving in to temptation often, then you're going to end up in an awful type of depression. Think, I'm not a Christian. That's right. God's left me. Mm. But rehearsing the gospel daily reminds us that God has, has come to us and will not leave us. That's right. So rehearse the gospel every day so that you don't end up either of those places. 
this isn't in your notes, but another one is, are we keeping gospel unity with our brothers and sisters in the faith? Mm. And this one's convicting to me. Because um, if we think about the gospel, it puts us all on one level playing field. Yes, that's right. It doesn't put anyone up or lower than anybody. Yeah. Right? If they have different views on politics than you, you're not allowed to just write them off as not a brother then. That's right. If they're blood-bought, they're blood-bought, and they're your brother. And you, it's a sin to not be in unity Amen. with a brother. That's, That's right. right. Amen. No matter what the purpose is, what the cause is. Now, we, we go to our brothers, and we, we can point out sin to them in love, but you keep unity with the brothers. Amen. That's right. That's why we're so peculiar to the world. That's right. We can be that way. Right. And then finally... Ask this question of yourself. Do I share this good news with others? Amen. The gospel is such good news. That's what that word means is good news. Mm -hmm. How can we keep it to ourselves? How can we do that? We know the bad news that the gospel is preceded by. But then we know the sweet remedy to that bad news. How can we keep that to ourselves? So I just want to challenge you with this. This week, pray for God to give you opportunities to share the good news. To open your eyes to those opportunities. And then the courage to engage those opportunities. Those out there need the gospel. They need God's redemption in Christ. Implore them, be reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll go into a time of, um, of reflection, I guess, through a song. So if you would, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're, we're grateful again that you brought us here this morning. We ask that uh, you would apply this word to our heart. Lord, remind us of the good news of the gospel, that you came to us, that you'll, you'll forgive anybody, and that, that we can look forward to great, great hope when you return. Fix our eyes on that this morning, Lord Jesus. Fix our eyes on your return and the good news that that is. Lord, help us now to, to live this out, to live gospel-saturated lives. Lord, we ask that we wouldn't do it for ourselves, but that we would do it for your glory, Lord. We ask this all in, all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.